Well, good morning, everybody. The Lord bless you. By the way, if you like pickled onions, anybody like pickled onions? We've actually got some for sale. We've got a couple of ladies who have pickled some onions and made some jams and all the proceeds goes to missions. And so that would be really good if you'd like to buy that. How about giving the person next to you a big smile and say you look really handsome today? Yeah. Really looking forward uh, to next week, our church birthday, bringing food along. But the main thing about next week is that we want to give thanks to the Lord for the good things He has done. Uh, but the best is yet to come. Amen. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to next week. Also, my dad, I was speaking to my dad the other day, and I've invited my dad to come back. He's going to come back in a couple of weeks' time. Not next week, the week after, he's going to come and uh, share the Word. It's just amazing. He's a bit like... I don't know what the right expression is. It's like cheese. The older he gets, the better he becomes. Is that right? You know? And um, so he's going to be here in a couple of weeks' time. So just looking forward to that. Praise the Lord. The Lord is here. And I'm just going to pray blessing upon you right now. I've got a message here that I want to bring. And, and I, I've already prayed a lot over this message. And I, I just pray it sparks faith in all of our hearts today. And Father, we, we just pray for one another. We thank you that we can gather in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you promise that when we gather in your name, you're with us. You're here right now. Yeah. And Lord, we just remind ourselves of that. We, we just love each other. We enjoy each other's company. But Lord, we gathered in the name of Jesus. And we just want to lift you up. And so, Father, we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you will just breathe upon us. Pray, Lord, for... Um, that supernatural touch upon people's lives. Pray for those who today who need to be strengthened and feel weary that, Lord, you'll strengthen them in Jesus' name. Pray for those who need encouragement, that you'll encourage them in Jesus' name. Pray for those who need a miracle. We thank you, Lord, that with Jesus all things are possible. And we look to you today. Holy Spirit, just breathe upon each person in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. So the title of today's message is Build Your Walls. And so I just want to hop right in, into this message. Uh, title's Build Your Walls. And you'll see why in just a few moments. Um, who enjoys reading their Bible? I just want to encourage everybody to, in 2024, dig deep into God's Word. Read your Bible. It's really important that you do that. And if you've read your Bible, you will know from the Old Testament, that's the first half of the Bible, you know, in the Old Testament, we encounter the sobering story of when ancient Jerusalem was totally destroyed by the Babylonians around 600 BC. God sent these people called the Babylonians as judgment because of the sins of the people of Judah. You know, God is a God of judgment. Just want everybody to understand that. He's a God of love, but He's a God of judgment. And we'll talk about this another day. But if you want God to be a God of love, He also has to be a God of judgment as well. You can't... Anyway. The survivors of Jerusalem were then taken as exiles to Babylon. And Babylon was a long way away. It laid about uh, 1,400 kilometres to the east of Jerusalem. And you know, the roads weren't great. They would have gone through the desert, the survivors, as prisoners. And that included a Shadrach, Daniel, a Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They would have been amongst those survivors. 
Anyway, the conquered Jewish survivors then got jobs. They had to settle in this foreign land and they bought houses. They were allowed to do that. And they just had to live their life far from home. They had to do life in, their foreign, in the foreign land, far from the land that God had given to them. However, 70 years later, as prophesied by Jeremiah and the great prophet Isaiah, the Persian emperor Cyrus gave permission for the Jewish exiles to return to their own land. And you can read that in your Bibles. And so about 50,000 Jewish people chose, not all of them chose to go back, but about 50,000 chose to return back to their homeland of Judah. And these people were just so excited and they returned home with great expectation and joy. We're going home. We're going back to Jerusalem. How good is this? However, when these people arrived in Judah, they found that Jerusalem was just utterly ruined. They found that the temple no longer existed. It was just a pile of rubble. And they found that the wall that had surrounded Jerusalem was just completely broken down. Nonetheless, with enthusiasm, these early returning exiles eventually rebuilt the temple of God and they once again worshipped the Lord in their own land. It's all in the Bible. And that's actually what the books of Ezra, some of you have read Ezra, and a wonderful book called Haggai, that's what those books are all about in the Old Testament. However, these returned exiles faced a lot of opposition from other groups and nations that had also moved in to Judah while the Jews were in exile. And these returned exiles found life to be really hard as a minority as minority followers of Almighty God. And so they soon became very discouraged. And they just, just found it so hard, so they, they found it easier to just mix and mingle and fit in with the other nations around them, even adopting their customs, adopting their behaviours, their beliefs, and even their languages. In fact, they started adopting their la the other languages so much that their own language risked being disappearing altogether. And so their enthusiasm for the restoration of their own nation just evaporated. And so they did not rebuild Jerusalem or its walls. They also began to neglect worshipping the Lord at the temple they had rebuilt. In fact, they, they allowed the temple of the Lord to be used and influenced by the pagan nations that they were mixing with. But you know, in spite of their compromises and concessions to the other people groups, many of these returned exiles found themselves still being exploited and still being manipulated. They thought if they gave compromise, then things would turn in their favour. But the opposite actually happened. And many of the poorer exiles became indebted to the rich and the powerful people, and some even had to sell their children to pay their debts. It was a bad situation. So the exiles' original hope of a better life in their homeland was dashed by the troubles that they faced. And it seemed that God had forgotten them. And things stayed that way 
for another 70 long years. And so that's where we arrive at the remarkable story of a remarkable man named Nehemiah. The story of Nehemiah is found in the book of... You guys are sharp today. (laughs) And the opening verses to this remarkable story say this. We've got it on the screens. This is how the book opens. It says, In the late autumn, I, that's Nehemiah, was at the fortress of Susa. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well. Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and in disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah then said, when I heard this, I sat sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah's heart was broken and concerned for the people of God who returned to Judah. And he responded to the sad situation in Judah with prayer and fasting. That's a good thing to do. When when, when you're faced with a sad situation, it's good to respond with prayer and fasting. And at the end of March, we're going to have a 12-day season of prayer and fasting here at Real Life Church. Just want you to be aware of that. Nehemiah prayed, asking God to rescue his people from their dire situation. But Nehemiah also asked God to give him favour with the Persian emperor so that the emperor would send him to Jerusalem so he could help God's people and also rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Providentially, Nehemiah was a personal attendant to the emperor, to the king of Persia. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. That meant that Nehemiah protected the king from being assassinated through poisoning. This was a very important position to have. So the king had high regard and trust in this man, Nehemiah. Does anybody, can you remember I spoke how important it is that we develop trust with people? Remember when we spoke about Daniel? Same thing here with Nehemiah. He was a trustworthy man. And so the king gave Nehemiah permission to go to the land of Judah and help his fellow Jews rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was also given authority. He was given some resources and he was even given soldiers for protection as he travelled back to Judah. All of this was a miracle and an answer to prayer. And I just want to encourage you all today, God still does miracles today. God still answers the prayers of those who earnestly seek Him. I would encourage you today, don't give up praying. Lean in, push in, because a miracle is just around the corner for you. Amen. And so Nehemiah eventually arrived in Judah. It took about three months travelling through the desert from where he was to get to Jerusalem. So he eventually got there. Nonetheless, there were some powerful people. Some of you remember their names. Samballot, Tobiah. Gershom, powerful men, evil men. So there was these powerful people in Judah who were just very angry, very displeased that Nehemiah had come to help God's people. In addition to the opposition, Nehemiah inspected Jerusalem 
And I think he was shocked. It was worse than what he expected. You know, what had he done? Promising the, the king he'd be able to build the walls of Jerusalem. So Nehemiah had a hard job ahead of him. But Nehemiah gathered the Jewish people in Judah together. And this is what he said to them. We have it on the screens. This is what he said. He said, you know, you, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and his gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. And the, the people replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. Come on, come on, let's just do it. Yes, let's rebuild the wall. And the Bible says, so they began the good work. And so with vision and determination, the exiles joined together with Nehemiah in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. But you know, it really was, it certainly seemed like it was, an impossible task. The stones from the old wall had to be gathered. They had to be cleaned and prepared so that they could be used again. That was hard work. And the wall was going to be long and it was going to be high and it was going to be wide. How can, how can you do this? In addition, the enemies of the Jews were doing everything they could to prevent the walls of Jerusalem being built. So it was tough. It was really hard. Yet day after day, Nehemiah and the Jewish exiles kept building the walls. And do you know, sometimes, brothers and sisters, even though we're Christians, sometimes the going gets tough at times. Who knows what I'm talking about? If you're going through a hard time today, don't quit. Keep moving forward. Keep leaning in. You're facing opposition. It's tough. Just keep moving forward. And miraculously, against the odds, Somehow, really it was a miracle, the walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt in 52 days. Then Nehemiah said this, Nehemiah said, When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated because their enemies realised that this work had been done with the help of God. What a mighty turnaround. The completed walls now provided protection for the reborn city of Jerusalem. The reconstruction of the walls using the old broken and discarded stones symbolised the rebirth of the Jewish nation. And the temple, which was the heartbeat of the nation of Israel, was located within these, these mighty walls. So Israel was born again. And interestingly, if you travel to Jerusalem today, there are some parts of Nehemiah's miracle wall still standing today that you can see. Now, brothers and sisters, why have I spoken about that? I've spoken about this story because this incredible story speaks to us today here at Real Life Church. Because like those ancient exiles, we are also God's people. We are not Jews. Maybe some people here are Jewish um, in birth, but I'm not. Um, most people are not. We're not Jews, but we, we are God's people. We are taken from among the Gentiles of the world. Yes. We are born again 
through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And we are right with God because Jesus bore our sins on the cross. And by faith in Jesus, we know that our names are written in the book of life. We are Christians. We are devoted followers of God. That's a good place to say amen. amen. Unless if you're not. Unless if you're not, then you need to get, be born again today. Yeah. However, just as the returned exiles found themselves surrounded by wicked and hostile pagan nations who were opposed to God, listen, so we also live in a wicked world. And we live in a very wicked nation. Australia is a very wicked nation. And this wicked world... And everything that it stands for, brothers and sisters, is opposed to God. Once, like everyone else, we were also ensnared with wickedness. For the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were opposed to God, although we didn't know we were. We were objects of God's wrath. We were in rebellion, living for ourselves. We were lost in our sins. We were headed for a lost eternity. But God had mercy upon us and he rescued us from the evil one and from the world. And we call that amazing grace. Amen. We're not better than anybody else. We just got saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But today, because of that, we do not belong to the world anymore. We might live in the world, but we don't belong to the world. We've got another home. We belong to Jesus and we've been adopted into his family. Nonetheless, just as the returned exiles were influenced by the people around them, the world also has influence upon us too. The opinions, the attitudes, the behaviours, the hopes. The dreams of the wicked, this wicked world, they still splash on all of us as well. We are vulnerable to becoming influenced by the opinions of the world instead of being influenced by the opinions of God and the Holy Spirit. Yet we often do not realise this. We don't realise that we're being influenced by the world. And why is that? It's because this is where, this is where we live. This is where we do life. And the world can be just so compelling. So consequently, just as the early exiles in Nehemiah's day became negatively influenced, and then hence they they were neglectful of their relationship with God, so the same thing is happening to many followers of Jesus Christ today. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nobody here at Real Life Church, of course. Many today, people today, I'm speaking in general terms. And I've chosen my words wisely, carefully. Many today have become confused about the good news of Jesus and what it means to be a Christian. There's books being sold at Kurong that I think should be thrown away. Because the writers are clearly confused about what it means to be a Christian. Some sections of the church are instead 
looking to the world for guidance, wisdom, and inspiration. Some are elevating the false wisdom of man over the wisdom of Almighty God. Some are even adopting other gospels and ideologies because, because these other gospels and ideologies, they're more acceptable and more reasonable to today's woke-driven society. But these other gospels are in conflict with God. The God of the Bible I'm talking about. Let's be really clear about that. We understand we're talking about the God of the Bible. And so I'll just give you an example. I could give you hundreds, but just an example. Some Christian sections talk about how good Christians are supposed to make the world a better place. Um, and it's suggested that we do that by being more inclusive and uh, we make the better the world a better place also and because of for the sake of our future generations they're saying we must also fight against climate change and protect the planet you've heard all this if you haven't you just heard it now for the first time amen <laughs> and you know you, you you're here to make the world a better place and we need to protect the planet and all of these suggestions sound really good and, you th and quite compelling because, oh yeah, I am a Christian. Oh, and we're called by God to love and minister all people. We know that. That's true. And we must show respect to, to creation. But you see, when our woke world tells Christians to be more inclusive, that inclusiveness that they're talking about does not extend to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. The world does not want to include the Jesus of the Bible. They didn't 2,000 years ago and they still don't want to do it today. Nothing's changed. They still reject Jesus. And when they insist on support to fight, fight climate change, they refuse to acknowledge the creator of the heavens and the earth. And brothers and sisters, the earth does not belong to the activists. It does not belong to Greta. The earth belongs to the Lord. And respect for the environment begins with respect for Almighty God. To have respect for the environment without having respect for Almighty God is idolatry. It's different. Yeah. Almighty God has never called the followers of Jesus Christ to make the world a better place. No. Never. That is not part of the gospel that the Bible teaches. But many Christians think it is. Making the world a better place is like tying a pretty ribbon around an ugly pig. The pig still <laughs> remains a pig. Never forget that this fallen world's philosophies and ideologies are ultimately headed for God's garbage heap. Yeah. Jesus did not come into the world to make the world a better place. 
Jesus came to introduce a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. Behold, I will do something new among you. And Jesus did not come to make you into a better version of yourself. How can you make a sinner into a better sinner? It, it, Jesus came to make you a new creation. Jesus did not say you need to be better. He said you must be born again. That's the gospel. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't fall for the subtle false gospels of the world. That's a good place to say amen to. The world's opposed to God means they're opposed to you too. Never forget that. Be friends of people by all means, but don't try and be a friend with the world. You don't fit anymore. You belong to a new kingdom. It is a spirit of this woke world that is hurting and enslaving people today. Rather, as followers of Jesus, we are here to introduce people to Jesus Christ. It's not my job to tell people how to live. It's not, it's not my job to tell people you shouldn't smoke dope anymore. It's not my job to say, oh, you shouldn't be sleeping with that woman anymore. They're not Christians. They're not in the kingdom. So what if, so what if they stop smoking, smoking dope? If they're not right with God, it's still going to go to a lost eternity. Our job is to introduce people to Jesus Christ so they can be born again. He's the only one who can set people free from the tyranny of sin and give them peace with God. So real life church in 2024, let's keep the main thing, the main thing, the gospel of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And let's not be ashamed to keep the main thing, the main thing. Amen. Amen. So how should we respond to the influence of this wicked world in which we live? Well, we've got to be like Nehemiah and the exiles. That's why this story is just so prophetically relevant to us today. Jerusalem needed its temple, which represented the presence of God. But Jerusalem also needed its walls. Without the walls, Jerusalem was just vulnerable to attack. Even the temple, the presence of God, was vulnerable without the city walls. So we need to build our walls. The walls that surrounded Jerusalem, what did they represent? Those walls represent God's commandments, His instructions. For living, his teachings, his principles, and promises that we find in the Bible. And the Bible is God's word. Every word in the Bible is God's word. Amen. The walls represent God's way of thinking, not the world's way of stinking thinking. I'm going to say that again. The walls represent God's way of thinking. Not the world's way of stinking thinking. See, a person can be born again. And that's, praise God, to be born again. But if their thinking is spiritually toxic because it's filled with man's wisdom, then their Christian experience becomes hard. Their Christian experience will be a struggle. They will be vulnerable to attack. Vulnerable to the lies of the devil and just get confused. What's this all about? But if they're thinking, the born-again Christians' thinking is healthy and wholesome, if their thinking is founded upon the sure promises of God's Word, then their Christian experience 
will be filled with peace, with joy, victory, and the Holy Spirit. And when the enemy attacks them, and the enemy will attack you, the enemy attacks everybody. When the enemy attacks, um, they will remain strong and they will remain protected because their walls have been built. Something to think about there, isn't there? Father, I just pray. I'm nearly finished this mission. I just pray. Lord, it's Sunday. Monday's another day. I just pray for the miracle that everybody here will remember what you are saying to them right now. Lord, I know you're speaking to us in different ways. Holy Spirit, Lord, we just pray that the word will fall upon good ground in Jesus' name. Because we don't want to be the same. We want to change and become more like Jesus Christ. So in... So in summary, so in summary, the report came to Nehemiah that said on the screens, we read this. It said, it, the report said things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah rallied the people and he said this on the screens again. He says, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. And they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. After 52 days, the walls were were built. And then Nehemiah said this, when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realised this work had been done with the help of Almighty God. Amen. And dear brothers and sisters here at Real Life Church, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless your family. But God's favour is upon you. God loves you to bits. Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus loves you. That's without dispute. But it's time. It's time to begin or to continue with the good work of building your walls in 2024. Some of us are so vulnerable. It's time to start building the walls and not to think about it. Let's just get cracking and build those walls in the name of Jesus. Because the days in which we live are evil. How are your walls? Have you gotten halfway and been distracted? Have you even started? Disciples of Jesus are wall builders. That's what makes them disciples. We're committed to this thing. And then as you build your walls, you will succeed with God's help. And your enemies will be frightened. They will be humiliated in Jesus' name. Amen. And that's the end of the message today. May God bless you. Come on, everybody. Let's stand to our feet.